Hello, Kevin. Awesome. You guys are nerds. Damn right. Oh, Kevin, you're so witty. I would stab someone in the face. Oh, that's gross. I'm cutting this, by the way. Bad Philosophy, episode 120, recorded on April 30th, 2012. Intellectual Simulation. Welcome in one to Bad Philosophy, upsetting the balance of reality one rabbit trail and one deconstruction at a time. Yeah. Why don't you start adding these little tags to the opening? Actually, I, I, it doesn't, it's been it a just while, feels like unnatural. You've, you've, yeah. you've been doing them a few times now. I think you did one on the last episode, Yeah. if not before that. I'm, I'm not sure where they're coming from. I, mean, I kind of like the idea of intro, introing stuff. Yeah, you know, you know, sort of. Here's a, here's what to expect. Mm-hmm. Cake Boss says that they sort of give what? you a little thirty second preview at the beginning of the episode. Oh, here's what's going to happen on Cake Boss today. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race is the same thing. There's, mm-hmm. been, there's been a few shows I've seen. Usually, reality Which shows are. It's hard to do before you've actually recorded it, because you know the the Twit, for instance, they record their pre roll post show. Yeah. So, you know, they'll, they'll say, like, afterwards, you know, coming up on Twitch, we're going to talk about blah da dee blah dee and blah dee yeah. Well, yeah. I you mean, and, and, you know, coming into it, we record these things as if they were live practically. Right. I mean, you don't do a lot of post-show editing. I mean, you know, you clean things up more or less. You're not yeah. rearranging stuff, as far as I know. No, I don't really. No, it's pretty much straight, um, linear. And we often don't even... Not often, but occasionally we have a topic. Are we are we deconstructing bad philosophy? Yeah, intentional. Yes, <laughs> I was wondering if you'd pick up on it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. <laughs> um, I am your host Stephen Torrance, and uh, I'm here with Kevin Saunders. And today we're going to be talking about deconstruction a little more. <laughs> it's um, been building to this for a while. It has. It really has. I, so here's, I, maybe we can get into this now or later. I, a little bit of background first. Um, Kevin recently insisted that I read. I did not insist. I said I have this book. Do you want to read it? Well, okay. And you so go I, yes. <laughs> I, okay. I, I sought out. I sought out Kevin the other night just because I was feeling like having a philosophical discussion, and we somehow <laughs> got on the on the topic of. of structuralism and I don't know yeah. how but <laughs> um, basically it was like I have this book you should probably read it this is an area of philosophy that I had not delved into it, you know Kevin and I were talking about this earlier like I don't know how I managed to avoid uh, post-structuralism and structuralism in general and all my philosophical studies but this is the first time I've really uh, really gotten into it and it is a fascinating deeply disturbing deeply disruptive philosophy mm-hmm. <laughs> in many many ways and really gets at the core of, of everything i mean it's that's it, kind of yet, the idea and yet it is not it, it's it's a philosophy of everything and nothing it is not a grand narrative it's no it eschews grand it, narratives it, it eschews grand narratives <laughs> but it itself there are no grand narratives <laughs> but it itself has something to say about everything yeah so uh, i i don't even i don't know if i want to give you know, a brief introduction or, you know, a very short introduction, <laughs> as it were, to uh, to post-structuralism on the show. But it's, uh, you know, essentially has its historical roots in the analysis of language, um, starting with, with Saussure mm-hmm. in, uh, in the early 20th century and uh, going through... Uh, crap. 
You look at the table. Yeah, contents. I can. I can look at the table <laughs> of contents. Um, uh, going through, you know, looking at the roots of semiology. Yeah, Foucault um, shows up eventually. Levi Strauss. Yeah, Strauss I mean, was a big one. Yeah, and and just this, you know, has has ties to you know Marxist thought as well. Mm-hmm. And looking, it looks first. I guess to understand post-structuralism, you have to understand construction, constructionism, and structuralism. Yeah, um, and that's very much what the book does. This idea that everything, literally everything, everything that we discuss, um, that we conceptualize, that we think about, is a construction of language. Yes, mm-hmm. and and we're using language very broadly here as well. Right. Right. Um, that that um, you know, there's there's this idea in semiotics of the signifier and the signified, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was Saussure who who first identified this construction, which is that language symbols, uh, text, etc., all all these sorts of signifiers purportedly are are like pointers. They're supposed to be pointing at something. Yeah, uh, something real, something solid. You know, the the word dog mm-hmm. points to the animal dog. Yeah, almost right? the platonic ideal of the dog. Yes, yes, because it doesn't, when I when I say I love dogs, it doesn't mean like I love these dogs. Yes, and this, <laughs> this group of seven dogs I love, every other dog I hate. Right, exactly. <laughs> We're talking about some, you know, concept, right, some idea. Of what dogs is. But that, but that, that platonic ideal doesn't mm-hmm. actually exist anywhere. Plato thought it did. Yeah, he thought there was some universe where there were actually there was the ideal chair just kind of sitting there, mm-hmm. you know. And that when we, we said we, chair, have we been using the ideal chair? I feel like we've been using that forever. Is that something we came up with, or has no, that been elsewhere? No, that's okay. that that I think comes straight from Plato. The ideal chair specifically. Yeah. Okay. Because I've heard that for years, and I'm like, I was just I'm curious, like where did that come from? I wasn't sure that was a plate or from my lectures. Well, because I, mean, I knew it was I, when, I knew it was you know shapes and stuff had platonic ideals, and you know the triangle and the stuff but anyway maybe maybe it was just from one of my lectures but it was an example like okay, you know, I've, I've, yeah the ideal computer you know you mm-hmm. could you could say anything any class of objects yes. you know any any anything any, any signified thing, any <laughs> signified has you know purportedly something real that that the signifier is pointing to mm-hmm. um, and so we you know the 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 point of Saussure, right was that that the Signified creates, or the signifier creates mm-hmm. the signified. That that the signified is often a construction of language. Mm-hmm. So differing languages construct the world in a different way. Yes, um, there there are concepts, right? That we mm-hmm. would say that uh, that there are words for in other languages that they're not words for in English. Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude that, that comes up a lot. Or you, you know, we 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 kind of talk around the concept, uh-huh. but there's no there's no direct word in English. Mm-hmm. That, that that corresponds that one to one directly, yeah. to Schadenfreude, yeah. Um, or and you look at you know, and it's it's a good example, although it's not true and a little bit racist. Um, the the old you know thing that Eskimos have twenty seven words for snow or whatever right. it is, which <laughs> a isn't true and b you shouldn't call them Eskimos, they're Inuits. Yeah, and, and c yeah. that's just racist all around. Um, but the, <laughs> but the idea being that you know that's it's one of the things where they're they're they're. In this case, the idea was that their world constructs their language, and they have all yeah. these different kinds of snow, and so they identify them differently. Although actually, it's the other way around: the language constructs the world. Yes, but um, that's sort of an idea of, of how people think about it. Is you know, well, different cultures have different words, and we can't mm-hmm. always translate them the same way. Right, right. 
and, and you know, who's to say that that there are, there's one kind of snow or five or five thousand? You know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and each snowflake is unique. Right. And so is, there are and as many snowflakes in the world. There are kinds of snow. Yeah. <laughs> potentially, if if you wanted to distinguish that way mm -hmm. and name all of them, uh -huh. right? So you know, we can we start to see then that that. Once you acknowledge this, that language constructs the world around us and, and divides it up and mm -hmm. uh, you know, basically parcel, parcelizes it out or parcels it out into digestible chunks, you start to see that there's, there's power in so doing. And oh, yeah. That, um, <laughs> this is where power comes from. Right. This, is, this is Foucault we're getting into a little <laughs> <Yeah>. bit here. <laughs> and and, and that, that power is, uh, comes from you know, whoever the agent is, right, whoever's writing or speaking, um, whoever's doing the constructing has a degree of control over that construction and those who follow the construction and, and yeah. use it. Well, an easy example for this is are the, the terms man and woman and male and female. Right. Being, being that those in, in our language, we, we have some idea of what those things are, although that's a problem in and of itself for later, mm -hmm. but that female is a modification of male. Right. Man is modified to become woman. Mm -hmm. And so that's putting those terms... It's a man with a womb, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. But it's putting those terms yeah. into context and giving male and man the power over woman and female, which is something that we see. And it's one of those things that's in our language. That's yeah. there, and we use these terms all the time, and we don't acknowledge them and think about them. But we also live in a world where men, whatever those are, have power over women, whatever those are. Right. Um, and it's a result, almost directly, of, of the, that constructed identity. Yes, yeah. and, and, that, and that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. So, in, in that case, you know, we, we've, we've now established structuralism, um, the, the idea of, uh, you know, identifying the constructed patterns in, um, in reality, in, in society, and, you know, in language, etc., and post-structuralism attempts to look at those constructions and identify how the, the, the constructions confer meaning upon each other. Well, very briefly, yeah. I mean, an, that, an important one transitional thing, thing from structuralism to post-structuralism. Mm -hmm. Structuralism sort of acknowledges and post-structuralism attacks. Right. Is this this ever changing or ever ever pushing definitions? Right. Look up a word in the dictionary. Now, to understand what that definition means, you then have to look up every word that's in that definition. Ah, this is a good example, yeah. So, um, so each, each word is constructed merely by other words. Yes. It, there's no, yeah, that, that's the thing. Is, you're is you're every, ever going to look up the next word, you know, a dog right. is a creature with four legs and fur. Well, what's four, what's legs, what's fur? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a starting point. And so you look up those things, and those in turn turn you to other things. And it, and it mm -hmm. is this, it's a web of deferred meaning yeah of it's it's this thing which is based on something else which is based on something else um, and you're always sort of chasing that meaning but you never actually achieve anything so so one critique that that i sort of that i was thinking of uh -huh. in this this idea of construction right and and um, signifier and signified uh -huh. it feels like numbers are actually are, are real in some concrete sense, right? That those are not constructions. Because sure, it feels you that could, way. You know, they are, they are universal in the sense that every single culture is going to identify two, three, four, 
etc. There, the the division, the the incrementation and division of things what into about the time separation. Before the word zero existed. Right, zero is zero is an interesting concept. Or and, and I wouldn't count it among the the more concrete. I base two, base seven. Sure. Base ten. But whether you have base two, base seven, base ten, or whatever, those are all those are all derived from. One, two, three, four, and and the combination of something separated from something else. Yes, a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that's not one I've encountered before, which is interesting. So I always like new problems. Right. Um, now, one of the things that post-structuralism claims is that there is no there there is no basis. Right. There's there's no uh, foundational fundamental thing. You know. Mm -hmm. There's no that that you cannot you cannot ultimately point to God or um, the laws of nature, right? As as some basic fundamental thing from which all other things are derived. Mm -hmm. It's it 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 basically is anti-reductionism at its core. Here's here's uh, yes, and here's here's my first sort of gut response to your one two three four. Yeah. Um, in the same way that one exists because it is not two, three, or four. Okay, so now we're starting to get into this idea of so that's that's why that's how one is a construction, mm -hmm. and two is a construction because it is one and another one. Right. That's what two is. Two contains one within it, yeah. and one contains two without it. Right. Right. So now we're getting into this idea of difference uh -huh. or, or difference. Um, Concept derived from, or I guess established by Derrida. Yeah, Derrida invented the term. Mm -hmm. um, it, it comes from a, a play on the French root, uh, differer, which means in French both to defer and to differ. Mm -hmm. So it's, and, and though they sound identical when you, when you pronounce the yes. word difference, it's, you know, it's the <laughs> idea of, of deferring something to mm -hmm. something else, or just deferring it, period. Uh, but it's also the the idea of uh, a, a difference, difference between yeah. one thing or another. The, the example yeah. I like to use is, you know, we talked about dog being a furry thing with legs, four right. legs, uh, except some dogs that have three legs. Um, but um, so that's that's a deferment of meaning. Mm -hmm. Dog is also dog because it is not bog, log, frog. Cat. That is, it's not, yeah. it's not cat. Yeah. Um, and so it is that difference. That changes that meaning. So we've so we've, that, that creates that meaning. So yeah. diff, it is it is a signifier that is different from everything, all the other signifiers that we have. Yeah. But its meaning is also deferred through those same signifiers. Yes. So that that's and that was his core concept, right? Is mm -hmm. is well, one of his core concepts. Yeah, that was a big part of it. And is that this is where meaning comes into play? Meaning there there is no ultimate meaning mm -hmm. to a word or concept or whatever. Meaning only comes in so far as uh, it differs from something else. You know, the the meaning is in is in the delta, essentially <laughs> between one thing and another. Yes. Yeah. You know, is in the relations. Is in the mm -hmm. context. Yeah. You know, we we do that all the time. We struggle. You know, say, well, it's not quite you know what this word is. Yeah. Because we think that's what that word means. We have a meaning <laughs> for that. But it's something a lot like that is what I'm trying to say. But it's not quite that. Yeah. It's not yeah, quite yeah, this yeah. either. Mm -hmm. um, so really, I mean, without realizing it, I think we we do we do deconstruction all the time in in that that attempt to establish, you know, we think we think of it as a quest for ultimate meaning. And, you know, that's how I've always thought of it is getting at the truth mm -hmm. with a capital T, right? But the the you know structuralism and, and post structuralism 
is, in a sense, an epistemological stance. It's saying that, that knowledge and truth and belief are all so insofar as they differ from, from you know, one belief or one truth is so insofar as it differs from another belief mm -hmm. or truth. Well, and, and, and that, it's, it's important here that we're talking about language. Right. If there is something beyond language, that's awesome, but mm -hmm. we can't get there. Right. It's, it's not denying any, anything external mm -hmm. of that. It's, it's sort of acknowledging, though, that these are the tools we have to work with. Right. And within that set of tools, we're stuck within it. Okay. Um, so, you know, if, there's, if there is a pan-dimensional being, you know, who likes to poke the galaxy with sticks, I've just constructed that. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those, you know, it, it, it's outside of that. Right. And, and there is no way to get to it. Mm -hmm. um, because all we do is construct. So... It's one of those, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if there's a tree or not. What right. matters is important is my idea of tree and your idea of tree when I say that signifier tree mm -hmm. that comes into play, how we both create that meaning. Yes. That's what matters in deconstruction. Well, and, that, and, and another thing is, is that, you know, the, the text, right? We, we should introduce this idea mm -hmm. um, that, that meaning and, uh, and form are constantly being created and recreated. Yep. In, in language itself and in, uh, in the reading and uh, in the reading of, of text, you know, written language and symbols and interpretation, mm -hmm. right, that, that we're constantly creating and recreating the world, um, that the, there's a fluidity, I guess, to, to understanding and to, and to meaning. And that, you know, as much as we, as much as it feels uncomfortable that there is no permanence really mm -hmm. that that change is constant and difference mm -hmm. is constant and that that the world as we understand it only comes about through the difference between one thing and another yep yeah which uh you know is is liberating but also terrifying and <laughs> in, 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 uh, sure. simultaneously um now we can we can talk you know i guess about the the idea of deconstruction itself, or the act of, of deconstruction, mm -hmm. um, which is apparently very difficult <laughs> to, uh, to understand and follow. Um, um, it's, it's really, it's because we're stuck within language, because there is no outside of text. Mm -hmm. That's a Derrida quote for you. Yeah. Um, it's actually, it's been translated two ways. There is no outside of text, and there is no context, are the two translations. Oh. <laughs> I prefer there is no outside of text. Um, but there is no context makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. Um, so we are stuck within text to discuss it. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very precise, but be very flexible and, and acknowledging the difference of our words. Well, one thing I always liked is um, there, there was, it was kind of toward the end of this, uh, of, of this very short introduction to post-structuralism. Um, Bringing forth the idea, relating it to um, to Wittgenstein, who uh, who talked about games and basically the fact that everything is a is a, that when then when we speak we're playing a game, right? Mm -hmm. When we engage in language, there's um, implicitly or explicitly, but more implicitly that there are rules 
and guidelines that we're following in engaging in this game that we call language and communication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, that there always... are there are explicit rules. You know, mm -hmm. you you go spend time in an English class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you learn the explicit rules, but there are also implicit rules sure. as well. Yes. Things, um, you know, etiquette, right, is mm -hmm. one of them, and uh, uh, I don't know, good, you know, taste and, and well, timing, and, 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 and the yeah. the the way we speak to convey certain. Identities, affectations. You know, yeah. we, we, the high schoolers I worked with have a very different mode of speech than I have. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, one thing I'll do is I'll start adopting their modes of speech to better identify with them. Right. right. Um, you know, I, I I use what we call poor English when I'm often around them, and sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's not. I just I pick up that, and that's what I how I talk. Yeah, you start playing that game, mm -hmm. and so so every every conversation almost is is. Not necessarily a different game, but it's a variation on on the game of language. Mm -hmm. Now, just as it's very difficult to uh, play football with the rules of baseball, <laughs> you know, and the and the the conventions and the mm -hmm. field and etc. of of baseball, it's hard for us to to deconstruct the the game, you know, with the tools that you have in the game. Yes. And and I, I find it fascinating and I've always I've always sort of suspected this that, you know, we learn games from a very early age. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's very much how we how we you know, we learn we do learn explicitly hey, this is how you play this game or that game uh -huh. or whatever. And this you know, the act of working within a system, working within a game, um, but also in a sense deconstructing that game by living outside of it or, mm -hmm. you know, outside right you stop playing the game at some yeah. point you win the game but really you know that that sort of training us or, or helping us realize maybe the fact that everything is a game mm -hmm. you know and that we're constantly and, and it's identifying the rules and identifying the implicit rules and not just the explicit rules yeah. because there are certain things that that you do in soccer that are not written down in the rule book anywhere you know the the formation there's there are regulations for how many men you have to have on the field. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in there that says you have to have a particular position, mm -hmm. right? But that the position, the the positions in a in a soccer match are implicit rules. That there are forwards and there are midfielders and there are defenders. These, but sometimes. Well, yeah, and I guess I'm kind of laying it out here, but there are different formations. You know, you can have a you can have a, a three four three or whatever it is. You know, that is a formation, or you can have a, a four three three two or or one. Or you know, you can mm -hmm. you can break down there. There are formations that that get at a different. Um, that, that buck the conventions, right? You know, having a single forward and five midfielders, mm -hmm. you know, and then things like that. And then the midfielders do different things can really throw your opponent off because your opponent is working with a different set of implicit rules, uh -huh. which is that usually there are three forwards and, you know, then you have one and it's like, okay, what the hell do I do with this? <laughs> you know, so surprise and uh, variation come into play in life, mm -hmm. in the game of life, because... Sometimes you're playing with a different set of implicit rules than somebody else is. 
and very much like the game Mao, you know, where, <laughs> where the rules are being constantly constructed. And changed, and you don't know what they are. And, and the game is discovering the rules. Yes. You know, I, think, I think Mao is, is, is one of those metagames. Yeah, that... well, Mao's about communism. Well, okay. <laughs> That's, it's about living in, in China under Chairman Mao. That's where the name comes from. It's you don't know what the rules are, but if you break them, you get punished. Right, right, right. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's also about that, you know, discovering how to discover the rules mm -hmm. and and then play by them while deceiving others and pretending that you know the rules sometimes when you actually don't yeah things like that you know it's and so i think the the concepts are very much related you know mm -hmm. we're by by engaging in language and communication we're choosing to participate in a game mm -hmm. you know and uh, one of the things i thought about in uh, in reading this was you know the quote from war games right it's such an interesting game the only way to win is not to play yeah right so what what constitutes winning right in mm -hmm. in this context and maybe there's no maybe the idea of winning is a construction too you know it is prevailing of course it is victory <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's it is achieving a set of goals set forth by the game itself so yeah. yes yeah winning is definitely a construction but nobody nobody sets the win conditions for life you know or those those conditions are set by different people and, well, and they're set by lots of people yeah Lots of times, differently, mm -hmm. and they're all and they're all constructed yeah. independently of each other. And so maybe it's it's not it's not that it's not that constructionism and, and structuralism identifies you know everything we do as a game, mm -hmm. but that games themselves are a construction too. Yes, and that really you know what we call what we call games are a, a primitive or I guess a simpler. I don't like the word primitive, I guess, right? Yes. You, you know, don't. I'm not supposed to like the word primitive. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, no, that's because, because primitive is a construction that we've made. Primitive. That sets first, forth. simple. It yeah. goes into these grand narratives of, yeah. of evolution. To become and, better, yeah. you become this. You know, you become mm -hmm. more like us in power. And if you're not like that, you can become like that. But mm -hmm. no, you're, if you're not, you're primitive. Right. And that's a negative connotation. So this so, is why we don't like that term primitive, or yeah. I don't like it, okay. um, and you shouldn't. Because you're post-colonial. <laughs> yeah, that, that gets into post-colonialism. Yeah, post-colonialism yeah. and post-structuralism are, are certainly mm -hmm. related. Right, because um, one, of, one of the things that they go through in here was, you know, Levi Strauss went to some remote area of the world, I forget exactly where, but um, and studied uh, what, what were called, you know, primitive cultures at the time, yes. right? Tribes, and he identified them doing, you know, quite, quite... I guess what some might say evolved, right, or complex yeah, activities. Yeah. You know, Again, he saw those... he saw them doing things that that were thought, you know, to be too underneath them, right, uh -huh. you know, or too too complicated for them to understand. And in so doing, idolized those uh, people oh, sure, as yeah. better in a way than you know more evolved Which culture, is a right? Different construction, but right, yeah. <laughs> and that was so. Would would you know? Derrida went back and looked at Levi Strauss and said, "Well, you just you just reversed the the primacy. Mm -hmm. You know, you went from from the." Uh, you know, you went from the white, you know, Western society being the the ideal or the the uh, the perfect to this, you know, this other, yeah, this other culture as being the the supreme. But really, it's just, you know, everybody's yeah, this, human. The binary system still exists. Yeah, and <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's another big thing that deconstruction does is explode binaries. Right, right. Which um, is, is which are everywhere in Western thought. That was that was another recurring. That's theme a big here. part of what our language is. You know. Yeah, male, female. Uh, yeah, we use that example of we. We and so it's it's white black. It's acknowledging you know. that those differences 
are, are constructed are contained within that binary, but it's also again everything else that's a part of that yeah. is, is is exploding that. You know, male female we often use as a, as a binary, and then the more progressive there's another term I hate because um, mm-hmm. it's acknowledging that there is progress. Which, right, right, right. Uh, we don't do. Um, but the more progressive people then say, well, it's a spectrum. You know, it's from A to B. But that's still but you're still, you still in this acknowledge binary yeah. system. It's like well you're somewhere between those two, and it's like well okay, but you still got these two points, and it's it's more complex than that. Yeah, you yeah, know we, we looking, sort of talked about our that three dimensional yeah know, three shape. four dimensional yeah I mean even even multi dimensional yeah yeah because it again it's <laughs> difference right and uh-huh. di- and difference is in one dimension, but it can but. You know, something can differ from one other thing in one dimension and another and thing in a completely different dimension. Yes. And once you have a difference between three, four, five objects, you're you're creating that many dimensions. Mm-hmm. You're 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 breaking down that binary. Right, right. And so, and and that's really tough for us to grasp. I think you that's know, because we're steeped in it. We're right. steeped in all of this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what how we interact with the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and this is you know this is why post structuralism is kind of the the new hit thing, is sort of it's acknowledging this is the stuff that's all around us. Yeah. You know, do fish acknowledge the water they swim in? Mm. You know, do we acknowledge the structuralism that surrounds us that that mm. we are a part and a, of? And a lot of people live their entire lives without even getting there. Mm-hmm. You know, getting to structuralism and yeah. and, and identifying you know, uh, like. Marx, for instance, was was big into identifying the structure of capitalism mm-hmm. and classism, right? These, mm-hmm. the, you know, the construction of class itself, yeah. and the bourgeoisie, and you know. But in a sense, those, you know, he 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 would then argue against those constructions and argue for the construction of communism or mm-hmm. the construction of, of socialism, and mm-hmm. um, which is a different construction. It's a different construction, yeah, and. And without acknowledging that that really, you know, one is not necessarily better than the other, but they are just different, uh-huh. you know. And and that's so. This is this is you know one way that I wanted to go, and they they just briefly touch on it here, but I don't think they really address this. Is morality ethics? You know, do do you do you then start to say that you know behavior? And this is where it gets really complex because yeah. because. Morality is so very close to us emotionally. Sure. Um, and so it sort of becomes, well, then what is the moral argument here mm-hmm. with deconstruction? I mean, it, it does, does, does deconstruction, it does post-structuralism entail moral relativism? Because one of the things that they talk about in here is it doesn't, it doesn't entail subjectivism, epistemological subjectivism. There can, there can still be, you know, objective facts, right, about the world. Um, generally agreed upon facts. Yeah, that's, that's as close as we can get to objective. Yeah, yeah. Is, agreed is upon. The, right. Everybody's constructing it in a similar way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know that, that, and that's that's interesting. Then is that that you know subjectivism and objectivism are a binary. Uh-huh. You know that they are they are constructions, <laughs> and that really it's it's kind of a spectrum. How agreed upon a fact is determines how objective or subjective it is. If one person believes something, it's extremely subjective, right? If that's, that's, everybody, that's our perception of it. Yeah, if least, 99% yes. of people believe something... It's much more likely to be called objective. It's much more likely to be called objective, yeah. Um, I, you know, the fact that the world is round is mm-hmm. a fact because the vast majority of people agree on this, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, the truth is, right, a little bit more complex than that. The yeah. world is kind of a, a squashed 
ovoid. People think it is. <laughs> yeah, so, or spheroid. But, <laughs> yeah. but that's that's information you know that we're. But that's all. Just everything that you've gotten that tells you that upon, yeah. everything that, that you've experienced that tells you that mm -hmm. is an object is not an objective thing. It is right. constructions. Is it, yeah. We've seen pictures. We've seen models. We've seen. Mm. The Earth itself is a construction, but yeah. that's, that's another bigger problem. Well, you know, and there's, um, there's another thing, you know, measurement, right? Science, mm -hmm. you, you know, those. It feels like we can establish things with with sort of a concrete, you know, a, a measure of certainty, mm -hmm. right? But um, science itself contains the the power to change those. Sure, sure. And and the the, the issue with science being that science thinks it is progressive. Mm -hmm. Science thinks that we are ever getting closer to that eternal truth, whatever yes. it may be. But science itself is, is also a construction. It's yes. another way of understanding the world. Yes. You know? um, and so it, you, you can't, if you're a deconstructionist, mm -hmm. which isn't a word, it's, I just made it up, uh, post-structuralist is a better term. Sure. Um, you have to, you have to, you're saying, well, that, that progression that we've seen exist is, in fact, just a construction. Yeah, it seems like things have gotten better because of how we define better, because of how we define progression, mm -hmm. and and that is a and here we're getting into difference again. You yes, know, it's, it's, it's that so, same sort you know, of thing. definition through context and similarity mm -hmm. to other things. Um, so back to morality. Then, yes, you know that that it's it, it's it then completely flies in the face of so so then in the same way that you can have generally agreed upon facts right that uh -huh. make something more objective. Can you, in the same way, have that sort of collective? Is that what derives from from post structuralism? Is collective morality a little where, bit? Where you know the generally agreed upon correct actions or right actions, good actions, mm -hmm. are you know the moral are actions. called moral more often. Right. Exactly. Um, you know things. You know the expectation right to um, to do good deeds. Good deeds being you know opening doors for for females because. We feel because sorry they can't for touch them, or, they, can't, you know, they can't touch things. Right, you have to carry their chair for them, open the door. Their hands are too delicate to touch things. I don't know. That's really what the reason yeah. is. That's what it feels like. I um, strange, you know. But once <laughs> you know, so you can you can acknowledge the construction mm -hmm. and yet still reinforce it. Uh, yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah, um, like I, I I acknowledge. Well, it's like the thing with with saying "bless you" when mm -hmm. somebody sneezes, mm -hmm. right? You know, the fact that that completely non-religious people. We'll say that uh -huh. all the know, time because it's expected. It's expected. Yeah. It's and the and here we're getting into culture and kind uh -huh. of the, the subjective, which is also construction. Yeah, <laughs> which is a construction. Yeah, um, the way that that language defines practice and mm -hmm. and uh, you know common common belief, common action, common expectations. Mm -hmm. Is morality simply one of those things too? Is it a cultural construction? Yes. Yeah, I, um, and, and, and it's one of those that, that that's scary. Yeah, because a lot of people want to have that you know certain. Um, this is here we're getting that, that authoritarian of some we're, sort. We're getting into the binary again. Yes, of, yes. Of, uh, of um, crap. Of uh, what are the two again? There's um, two types of morality. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Deon deontology and. Um, and then the other one, whatever. And the other but, one, yeah. Whatever. Regardless, the 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 division. You know, the the right defines the good. The good defines the right. Mm -hmm. um, those that duality, uh -huh. which is actually a false duality, because you can also have virtue ethics and other yeah, things. There's lots of you things know, you can yeah. have. <laughs> um, and and so, 
it, it would seem to completely debunk deontology, which is the idea that there is some some ideal, some right mm-hmm. right thing, where whatever or wherever it is that defines that can be achieved or or strived for or understood mm-hmm. that that from which you can derive all good actions. Mm-hmm. Um, for for um, for Kant, it was the the categorical imperative. You know that was his sure. that was his way of establishing it would basically based on the golden rule you know <laughs> would i would i wish this same action would i wish that everybody do the same action uh-huh. you know if that if yes then uh um, proceed <laughs> then, then this is the then this is the good action yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the categorical imperative was the was the derivative of that for some people it's you know religious authoritarianism mm-hmm. you know whatever god says mm-hmm. <laughs> is the is the is good the action yeah. yeah that's that's how it's defined that's how it's defined um, a consequentialism. That's that's the other word. So okay. Consequentialism, deontology. Consequentialism, on the other hand, says whatever the consequences of a given action are, that determines whether it's a good or a bad mm-hmm. moral action. But again, action. There's, there's that disca- that decision though of okay, what consequences are good, what yeah. consequences are bad. But even consequentialism doesn't quite get it at this this construction. No. What, what seems like would be a necessary construction of morality from post structuralism. Mm-hmm. Which is that morality is a combination of both of those things uh-huh. to one degree or another. It's not either it's or; it's both and. Yeah, that, that's another phrase that comes up a lot. Okay, it's it's not either or. Either or is that binary. Mm-hmm. Both and. Because I would say that is that deconstruction that very much speaks to how anyone approaches the, a moral question. Mm-hmm. That there are consequential and deontological factors mm-hmm. that play in whenever someone makes a moral it's choice. It's not one or the other. It's either this, mm-hmm. or it's, it's both this and that. Right, exactly. So, okay, well that, that's, that's interesting then. I'm, I'm sort of I'm sort of mulling over, you know, the the, the consequences that, <laughs> that this post-structuralism has for various subjects that, uh-huh. you know, um, well, and what we were doing at the very beginning of the show, you know, this sort of meta-analysis mm-hmm. of, of, you know, bad philosophy, which we've actually done on another episode yeah, we've before. Done, we've done a few times yeah. in various guises. <clears throat> you know, what do we do here? Yeah. Um, you know, what is, this, what is this show about? That's very much a, a deconstruction, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and it, it, it does sometimes, you know, the structuralism is it comes down to the show is about what the show is about. Yes. <laughs> um, the things we talk about is what the show is about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I, I would, I would now argue that bad philosophy for a lot of our history has been very post-structural. You know? Yes, you're and, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin. Well, I, I'll be honest, I got into this, yeah. like, this, I started delving into this my first semester of grad school, and that was, you know, now two and a half years ago. Yeah. Almost three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the past two and a half to three years of us, this, <laughs> I've been influencing the show in that way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, we've always been talking about what we've been experiencing and what we're working on, you know, yeah. whatever class you had, we would mm-hmm. be talking about that, you know, sometimes yeah. more often than not. And so, yes, I mean, that's... And, and doing deconstruction in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and kind of the, the, the last page of the book uh, <laughs> of this post-structuralism introduction is that at its core, post-structuralism is a call for reflection. It's, it's uh, not, not necessarily analysis or critique, but mm-hmm. reflection and, and elucidation and, and trying, trying to just discover the structures and, and the patterns. Yeah. 
and and doing it's it's meta. <laughs> it is. It's so meta. It's, it's trying to trying to rise above or beneath or sideways or whatever mm -hmm. to step out of the construction and look at the construction from another perspective. Yeah, I mean, here's yeah. This this is actually good. This isn't the second to last paragraph because mm -hmm. uh, the last one doesn't make any sense if you haven't read the rest of the book because it's talking about leotard. Yeah. Um, but the project is that the questions might replace the bewildering alternatives of the intellectual marketplace with a more sharply focused undecidability that specifies the options while leaving them open to debate. Uh huh. In that respect, it's in its emphasis on the degree to which we make our own story subject to certain specifiable constraints. Post-structuralism is at once skeptical towards inherited authority and affirmative about future possibilities. Hmm. Which I like. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it, it very much says that, that things need not be the way they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, the only, almost the whole idea of necessity is bunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, insofar as it means that things cannot be otherwise. Yes. So... So it's not the world is the way it is because that's the way it is. It's the world is the way it is because that's how it's constructed. Right. And if it's constructed, it can change. Now, one of the one of the things that I, I took from Dr. Webb, which which has served me well, is whenever you get a a philosophy that that's that purports to say something about everything, mm -hmm. apply that same philosophy to itself. Uh huh. So, in what ways is post-structuralism a construction? Um, well, in the fact that we've been talking about it in a language, we're talking about it within that text. Okay. Um, and and post-structuralism can be and has been deconstructed. Um, oh God! <laughs> read some Derrida. Yeah. Um, and this this is again why the texts are so very hard to read. Judith mm -hmm. Butler is impossible to read. Okay. <laughs> because it is deconstructing itself as it goes forward. Yeah. Um, and it's it's post-structuralism is inclusive rather than exclusive mm -hmm. um, which I always like in a philosophy and that mean and that somebody else can say well I see the world this way and you go sure yeah that's cool yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. not no you're wrong it's okay mm -hmm. yeah right right I, well, I, I can, okay <laughs> and, and yet and yet in a in a more sophisticated way I guess than you know the way that moral relativism or just relativism in general mm -hmm. is you know because that, that's one thing they acknowledge in here is it's not saying each person is is has their own individual truth or is right necessarily mm -hmm. but I, I guess i was sort of still trying to understand that distinction right between yeah. and relativism it's, it's a tricky one what is the distinction then between well, relativism and, and post-structuralism relativism because relativism insists upon a self. Yes. Okay. There, there you go. So it 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 still ascribes the or it ascribes the origin of meaning or the the uh, ultimate of meaning to a self. Yes. Right. Yes. So um, and it, it says that that the self is correct in its own belief. Mm -hmm. Right. But that but, self is in a, of itself a construction. Yes. And so it cannot. Mm -hmm create meaning because that's the self then becomes the truth yeah the self in relativism becomes the the arbiter of true and not true mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's still acknowledging that there is a true there are just multiple truths and they all exist yeah all owned by other. individual selves yeah um which is yeah okay so that's relativism mm -hmm. and then post-structuralism says the self is a itself construct. is a construct well it's, it's yeah. people who have multiple I think this is referenced in the book as well. Mm -hmm. Multiple conflicting opinions. Right. 
everybody's got multiple conflicting opinions, and they don't even even within it. even within their own mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't they don't often acknowledge those. Yeah. But that's you know, can you say there's a unifying force behind that? The unified mm. self. There is no yeah, unified no. self. Mm. It is a construction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is constructed through language and and through the way we we and behavior, be, which and is a type of language, yeah, which is, yeah. I mean, behavior, action, is a dress. Yeah. They're all they're all mm-hmm. language in the big sense, right? Um, and and that self is mutable; it changes. Who mm-hmm. I am when I'm working at the Apple Store is different than who I am sitting at this table across from you. Yeah, is different from you know who I am sitting alone in a dark room. Mm-hmm. And even that one isn't the true me. Yeah. They're all true me's. They're all not true, not capital T true. They're all me. Yeah. They're all Kevin, but not there's no one that supersedes the others. There's there was an interesting I guess not epiphany, but just insight I had that mm-hmm. you know we can we and and there are there are ways that we can like ourselves in one situation or another more than it, more in one situation than in another. Sure. You know, that, and, that, and that, that itself is almost a deconstruction of the idea of a self. The fact that the self can like another self. Uh-huh. Or the self likes an aspect or a condition that it's in. You know, that it's like... It, it's, it's, it's not independent. It's not independent, <laughs> yeah. That, that there is... Then what or who is doing the liking in that uh-huh. case? And what is the liked? You know, it's, uh-huh. it's all, yeah. It's, it's, it's very... Construct. It's all constructed, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but we don't really question that. Because most of the time, folks, the, the expectation, right, is that each individual organism is an individual self. Yes. But that itself is a construction as well. Yes. You know, we're just, we're just a bunch of cells Put together which are constructions, yeah. Which are, yeah. Um, <laughs> and that, and saying we're all a bunch of cells is a construction. That's framing mm-hmm. what a person is a in a certain way. Yeah. Or do, it, it, well, in, insofar as as that construction of cells is different from another construction of cells. No, but even even but it, even identifying it as a construction of cells, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Ringo Starr said we're all a bunch of molecules bouncing around. Mm-hmm. That's a certain construction that that creates a worldview from that point of view. Right, right. Um, meanwhile, uh, C.S. Lewis said, and I love this quote, he mm-hmm. said, you are a soul, you have a body. Hmm. That's a different construction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so both of these constructions of what a person is mm-hmm. exist, and I've just reconstructed them as though, we're talking. Though I'm sure C.S. Lewis would, would uh, take offense to you. <laughs> he probably would. Um, um, saying that, that you know, it, it, he would take offense to you saying, that's such a beautiful construction. <laughs> he would say, no, this is the way it is. Yes. You're like, yeah, cool. That's the way that you constructed it. You know, yeah. and and be... It's not a denial of that. That's an awesome construction. I love yeah. that. Um, it's, it's... And you would get to kind of this impasse where, yes. you know, clearly the, the religious would argue that, no, we're right. You know, this is the way that it is. Mm. But, the po- but post-structuralism doesn't deny their rightness. <laughs> yes, it just says the, the rightness is a is a construction. But there's still there's still an indignation that happens. Yes. In that case. Because of the, that of does the come conviction yeah. about about the, the mm-hmm. concreteness of and that's, and that's of truth and tricky right. to navigate. Yes. Um. So in a way post structuralism is a, a very erudic, very um <laughs> uh, I don't know it's almost kind of pretentious 
but not. It's it's certainly seen as pretentious by a lot of people. Right. Um, even academics find Derrida very pretentious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a professor. I was I was working on. You read the paper I wrote. Because it and, does make a claim to a kind of truth. It, it makes a claim to a kind of of the of construction that this this construction is is better than yours. It's well, it's, it's you know, a, it, it claims because it, it's a it acknowledges the multiplicity. Yes. Um, and not a lot of people like multiplicity. No. Yeah. <laughs> multiplicity's tough. Um, yeah. We like we like concrete. We mm-hmm. like boxes. We like categories. We like binaries. Yeah. We're, that's where we live in a structural world. Right. Um, that we've constructed. But post structuralism says that those likes are a construction. That mm-hmm. those are that those are you know either learned or created or whatever you what have yeah. you. And it's and again you know, we kind of mentioned this earlier. It's not an intent based thing. Yeah. And that's that's an important thing to to note is that you're not. You're you're not ascribing any sort of malicious or benign intent to the process of construction mm-hmm. or deconstruction. Yeah, that it's all that you're just acknowledging this is the way things are. Differences. So, and and then but, there but are those still, who say, well, then what's the point? Why are we doing this? Yeah. Um. You know, what's what's the moral argument here? Why should we be deconstructing? And that's kind of the practicalist response. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of what use is it? Is yeah. it to me? So what? What would your What would your response? I don't be know that I case? have a response to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's one I thought about for a while because that was okay. one of the first questions I was ever asked <laughs> when I was presenting deconstruction work. So what? <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah. and it's it's one of those sort of tricky ones, and it's a well, I don't know that I have an answer to yet, and it's something yeah. I'm still thinking about. But any answer I provide is also a construction. Well, it, it feels <laughs> it, you know, in in so far as as films. Like mm-hmm. Synecdoche, New York, or Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. deconstruct a genre or deconstruct themselves, mm-hmm. um, inverse respectively. Yeah, they are enjoyable to a sense, in uh-huh. almost in almost an an, in, an ineffable way, because it, it feels well, it's peeking behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. So, but but what is that? You know, is is it possible to say that there is a behind the curtain? You know. Or, or no. is it just is it just a way of <laughs> there is no behind the curtain there is no outside of text is is it a way of introducing more difference mm-hmm. into into something that was sure. constant before mm-hmm. um, and and almost you know coming out of it one of my my thoughts was then just like wow well it it, it brings forward the almost the primacy of variety. Mm-hmm. And and difference itself, because in in difference there is meaning, uh-huh. in change there is meaning, and that you know insofar as one thing differs from another in time or in place or whatever, that's where meaning lies. And it seems it seems as if you know as an organism, we prefer to we prefer that difference or we need mm-hmm. that difference and we need that variety that sedentism and and mm-hmm. homogeneity breed discontent and um, you know lethargy and such and so forth and that you know changes changes necessary yeah. but again not necessary <laughs> well and, and I'd argue you know this one that sort of occurred to me you know on this this sort of so what or so moral yeah. thing um, you know the, the point of deconstruction or a point of deconstruction mm-hmm. is that it is an incredibly effective tool to challenge power structures. Yeah, that's dissent was a big subject in this book, you know. And that's because because power structures, you know, and power like we talked about at the beginning very much comes from constructions. Uh-huh. You know, the construction of an imperial power uh-huh. or the construction of a monarchy, you know, lineage or you know. or much more complex constructions that we live through every day that that tell us 
I have to behave this way or I have to behave that way depending on what my identified gender is yeah. or what my identified race is or, mm -hmm. or again, what, all of these constructions within, yeah, we're in or, or class yeah. or you know where am I at who yeah. you know the, the all of these power structures within those mm -hmm. to fight those we have to deconstruct them right and um, but why fight See, there, there's, things, there's yeah. another question. Yeah, it's like, okay, so mm -hmm. change then is the imperative, mm -hmm. right? I guess I'm trying to find the drive, the motivation, right? For, for, for uh, Lacan, who was discussed some people, in here. That is the drive. You yeah. know, um, the, the heteronormativity of the, of the U.S., for example. Yeah. Some people want to fight that, and mm -hmm. I'm one of them. But um, if, uh, if, if the U.S. were homonormative, mm -hmm. would, would that be worth fighting too? Potentially, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the the fight then is always to change. Well, and the thing is, it whatever the status. And this is. is this is Judith Butler via Wikipedia. So okay, you know, <laughs> um, but it's that it's not it, a fight can't be won because the fight contains within it certain things that acknowledge and keep that structure in place. Mm. This is why revolutions never succeed. Kind because, of, yes. <laughs> yeah. But but the, because the, a, rev a revolution is is a, a point uh, you know a period of rapid change mm -hmm. from one thing to another. But as soon as that one thing changes into another and becomes static again, the revolution has failed. Yeah. You know. So and, in, and so, but the revolution sort of, it, only succeeds while the revolution is still in progress. Yes. It it contains <laughs> within it, you know the the. Again, this is Judith Butler talking about the heteronormativity of the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and the fight against that contains within it, because of difference, mm -hmm. that same structure that it's fighting against. And so it can never be overturned, necessarily, hmm. but the fight can continue and things can change. Um, and again, that's Judith Butler via Wikipedia. I've never successfully read anything by Judith Butler. Yeah. Um, I'd love to. Um, it's also impossible. Impossible. Um, yeah. It's not not really impossible, but really really hard. Okay. To um, I mean because because she's you know works in that deconstruction, mm -hmm. um, in in a very tricky sort of way. I mean, Amy sat down once was reading a you know like a ten page passage of Butler, and took four and a half hours with with a doctorate in um, theater unpacking this deconstruction of Judith Butler <laughs> and kind of understood that little bitty bit of it. Uh, and she's got whole volumes of text. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and now some people say Judith Butler does that intentionally. I don't know. Um, I, but, do, I just don't know how... I mean, I guess if you're if you're immersed in this for many many years, you start to, you start to see the world through post-structuralist eyes mm -hmm. and you get to the point where you can do that sort of yeah. work. Well, but, and... and to be honest, she's an incredible scholar. Judith mm. Butler is amazing. You cannot argue with her. <laughs> <laughs> or there's yet to be a mind that's smart enough to do it well. Wow. Um, because she is so tough to get through. It's not because it's hard to mm. understand that you can't argue with her. It's because it is constructed in such a way as to already take into account all of those other arguments that could come up. Yeah. That's um, how precise Derrida is. That's how precise Butler is. Yes. Yeah, because of because <laughs> they de the text deconstructs itself. It's it, beating you to the punch. It's beating you to the punch, yeah. <laughs> and that's and the best arguments do that. Uh -huh. You know, they 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 do incorporate every aspect and possible point of attack. Mm -hmm. And address them, you know. Uh -huh. <clears throat> but in so doing, I mean, is is you're, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I 
not sure where I was going with that, but it's certainly a different way of looking at the world from you know what I have been. You know, and, and honestly, I haven't really reflected on this in mm-hmm. a while. You know, reflected on on my my worldview. Yeah. I've been living with it for you know almost three years now, and I'm still working with it. So don't yeah. feel don't yeah. feel like you're going to get it in a day or two. Well, um, and I and I think it would be useful now for me to to try deconstructing other things. You know, mm-hmm. like. Uh, Kevin and I, you know, we talked about deconstructing our experience at the Apple store yeah. uh, before the episode here. And, you know, we're talking about deconstructing bad philosophy itself. Yeah. So, you know, maybe <laughs> we should maybe we should work a little bit more on, on deconstructing something at the end of the episode to kind of give a better idea. Um, of, uh, oh, what's an easy thing to deconstruct? Um, nope, there isn't one. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel, like, I feel nope. like any act of deconstruction is going to be a momentous... And that's and that's sort of the thing is well and, and to yeah. deconstruct something truly, I keep, I keep using the word true and that's my truly, mistake. Well, uh, effectively perhaps. Effectively, yeah. You yeah. have to immerse yourself within it, mm-hmm. um, and some things are easier to do that than others. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example just from stuff I've read. We were talking Derrida and Foucault, his deconstruction there. Um, I want to see, and I mean, this may be a good link to show you, um, or put in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, there was um, Derrida created a designed or helped to design a park. <laughs> a park that deconstructs itself? Yes. What? Um, this isn't it. Um, I don't remember. I found it. See, this is. Maybe this is it. Well, the one that I. Yeah. So and so. Well, yeah. So he sought the opinions of some someone or other. Um. In what ways does does the park deconstruct itself? Though. Well, that's sort of what it was, and and so this. See, one of the cool things was, and that's why I'm not sure if this is the one. Um. Well, because when I was reading about it, the park hadn't been built. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, the ultimate deconstruction of the park is you design it and then don't build it. <laughs> um, well, because to, to construct the, it is to construct it, right? Yes. Um, the, <laughs> the idea of it, though, and I'm not sure if it was this, this Parc de la Villette, um, was that the structures, the things within the park, did not have an intended meaning, did not have an intended use. Right. Were created to let the meaning be created by those using it uh-huh. and those interacting with. So it. things that could be benches, playgrounds, could be anything. I mean, concert stages. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, maybe this is the one. Um, but it seems like you would have to. You you ultimately would have to decide on some sort of shape, and that shape. While it may give freedom to interpret in a few different ways, would not have an infinite. Well, the deconstruction doesn't have an infinite term. Does, yeah. Deconstruction doesn't doesn't say there's infinites. It says there's multiples. Yeah. Um, Even if the multiples are just two. Yeah. Hmm. Jacques Derrida Home and Garden Books on Amazon. Oh hell yeah. Deconstructing the New Testament. Yeah, these aren't by Derrida. Woo. These are people using Derrida. Huh. Um, 
And see, that's so. I guess I need to read some deconstructivist or deconstructing texts, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of get the idea of, of what this actually um, is. If you can find um, Derrida's lecture um, at John Hopkins, Hopkins, okay, Johns Hopkins, um, I bet there's a text of that somewhere. Um, that's like, that was, it is, it has been called the, um, manifesto of post-structuralism, but that's not true because there is no manifesto of post-structuralism because there can't be. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe (laughs) it isn't written down. Maybe it's, maybe it doesn't exist. I'm sure it does. Somebody's got to have written that, but it may only be in like French or something, but, um, well, and that was one of the ironies, right? Is is uh, Saussure, right? His his courses, right? His whole his whole beef was with language and the way that that language limits mm-hmm. um, expression, or something. And then that that got written down, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that those yeah. lectures were written down, you know. Well, and the idea of difference, the, the Derrida difference, mm-hmm. um, is that, you know, we're, we're doing an audio-based podcast. Yeah. And sometimes I'm using difference with an E, and sometimes I'm using difference with an A. Yeah. But you cannot you tell. You can't hear it, yeah. It's, they're meant to be pronounced the same. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, he, he did that to talk about, you know, there are these, these supposed superiority of, te- of, of spoken language versus text, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I think Foucault talked about. Um, and that the idea being... That you know, when we're speaking to each other, we can use you know lots of other cues yeah. to identify true meaning in air quotes. But then Derrida said, "Well, here's a word where audio cues will never help you. Yeah. Where being with the person ain't going to help you. Where the text is now superior mm-hmm. to the written and, or to and the, look to at the spoken. The written this... text is superior to the spoken text. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and, and and just it shows how certain signifiers can." create that primacy, can create yeah. that, that um, you know, meaning. Uh, here, the structure, sign, and play in the discourse of human sciences. Ah, there it is. It's, that's it's a the, the John long... Hopkins yeah. thing. Okay. Um, okay, cool. Whew. That's, because, again, you know, Derrida's not easy to read, but since this was a speech, sometimes reading it out loud actually can be beneficial. Yeah. Okay, um, we'll definitely check that out. Yeah. Well, should we uh, deconstruct some form spring questions? Sure. <laughs> let's uh, let's check this out. I'm I'm typing form squeeze. <laughs> we should get the the domain formsqueeze.com and just have all of our uh, answers there. Log out. Log in. How did we? Do you remember how form squeeze came about? In it was the first just place? a um, malapropism. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where most of our things. That's come where most from. of our most of our things came from, anyway. Hello, every welcome was just a slip of the tongue. Yeah, and that's what that's one of the things Lacan supposedly talked about is like in jokes, in slips of the tongue mm-hmm. is where the the real underlying pre-organic or organic self comes out. <laughs> uh, yeah, we actually. Are you scared of heights? Uh, how high? <laughs> how high the heights? Yes and no. I think there's probably an E in there. Yeah. Uh, exactly where can you be found on the moon? Can I visit? <laughs> um, this is from looks like a real person. Wow, no kidding. 
Where can you be found on the moon? Um, right underneath the uh, right underneath the lunar lander, because it's the only shady spot on the moon. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> the only place I would be shielded from the deadly radiation in space. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, same question again. Is there any value in false hope? Ooh. Okay. Let's, let's deconstruct that question, shall we? Uh, so, if we're going to take time to do that, I have to go to the bathroom first because okay. I'm, I'm hitting the end here. Okay. Um, yes. <laughs> all, of, all hope is constructed, so it's all false in that sense. Right. In the sense of not being true. Um, um, but value itself, what is value? Value well, yeah, there's is construction the as well. That, you know, so. what, is, what is value? Mm -hmm. um, how are we constructing value and false? I guess, I guess the, the, what I'm reading it as, which is what we're talking about here, yeah. as I read this text, it, the value is coming across as, is there a benefit? Is there a reason to have hope that is not oh, yeah. going to benefit into anything? Um, um, okay, that's, that's one way of looking at it, yeah. So is there a value in it that way? As well as you know, then and then what's well, what's false hope versus yeah. true hope? Um, false right, hope because being, false hope often false hope is like something you're hoping for that you know is false on one level that you, that you know can never happen. That you know can never happen. Yeah. Um, but then again, is it really hope at that point? Well, what is hope? You know, yeah. that's that's the other. Yeah. You know, there's, there's all these words here. We've got to we've yeah. got to you know find their difference in. Yeah, and um, this is this is very isolated. It is without context. It's no, there is yeah. no there is no context. Ah, right. There's no right. outside of text. There's this no is this is as it exists. This is the text. This yeah. is the text. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's all we have to go from. And so it is within the text. Mm. Um, and now now with that said, the the context such as it is is you know well we're on this board here that was created with this question yeah. you know, format the person is anonymous so that is is adding to the text so that doesn't mean there is you, you cut off text yes it means the text always expands outward right right and so the fact that we're looking at this on my computer is part of that text we're but it doesn't matter that the person's that anonymous either i mean it's just it is well no, that, that's that's that part there of is it. a question here yeah. well that but no that that anonymity anonymity is part of the text ah okay um but there, you have to say well you know to deconstruct this, we must first create the universe from scratch. Mm. Um, to mangle a Carl Sagan quote. Um, <laughs> so is, is there any value in false hope? Uh, well, one could argue that all hope is false hope because yep. there is no true. Um, one could argue that value for one person would be different from another. Well, of course another, it is, yeah. But then that, that also gets at the construction of selves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, construction so, of selves is hard to get past. It's, yeah. it's a tricky one. Yeah. Um, and hope itself is, is a construction of, of a self. There must be a self-hoping. Yeah, there must right? be self-hoping, and there must be something that is hoped for. Yeah. And that's a construction as well. You yes. know, what are you hoping for to happen? Mm -hmm. um, and the, the falseness or truthness thereof is based on... I like on the idea that all hope is false hope. Is how much you expect that thing to happen. Yeah, you're always, you're always anticipating or expecting something that you're constructing. Right, you think, and, and then there's a point at which you think that your construction actually corresponds to something in the world. You know, I I hope that I will win that million dollars that's up, you know, for the lottery, right? Yeah. But that million dollars is itself, you know, the million dollars that I hope for is a construction, uh -huh. right? <laughs> it is. Hmm. Interesting. 
What is your opinion on procrastination? I'll tell you later. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ask me later. Uh, no. <laughs> um. What's a, what, what constitutes a good choice? Yeah. Well, we're we're in we're in straight up deconstruction mode right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, choosing philosophy when given a choice of subjects to learn is a good. I mean, honestly, philosophy and. Yes. You know, <laughs> philosophy and what? Philosophy, when, what kind of philosophy, you know? Uh -huh. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, that's a, there's a lot of Ooh, hypothetical. Look at that. There. Is man a creator and mover of his life, or does he live at the effect of forces over which he has little control? Listen to episode 120. <laughs> um, wow, it's funny that that's in there. We mentioned it. <laughs> um... Why did they use man? Obviously, a man was asking. Not necessarily. You don't think so? But I think we can't know. Ah. Uh, um, because because, because man has a, become pervasive. It's a, mm, it's a we, very strong we, construction. Many people yeah. accept man as universal for humankind. Yeah. Even, male and female alike. Okay. Uh, male and female and other alike. So we can we can probably we can probably learn that the person asking is not a feminist. Not necessarily. Yeah. Oh, there's well, there's lots of there kinds of feminists. Intentionally using that. Yeah. I mean, again, you're you're looking for the author here. Yeah. Author's yeah. dead. Author's dead. <laughs> that's right. Sorry. Still learning. Um, yeah. That's okay. So yeah, I got that one. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got that one again. Um, oh, and that one's been there for a while. Six months. Yeah. Is people free? Best accomplishment of Steve Jobs. Getting yeah. that awesome name. Um, yeah, somebody's gonna come yeah. back to you later. I think that's that's somebody's gonna like to answer eventually. But, yeah, um, yeah, look at there. We had some we had some good ones. Yeah, there's definitely okay. some good questions in there. So you know, keep well, asking, and we'll eventually answer most of them. Okay, what I'd like to do then is is for a future episode, I want to uh, deconstruct Brick, the movie. There's a lot going on in Brick. There's a lot going on in Brick. Maybe one part of Brick. That would be that would maybe. <laughs> be too big of a well we'd have to get into we'd have to get into i mean we could, we could do a we could do a surface skim deconstruction because brick in itself is is on one level a deconstruction of the noir genre sure that's one level yeah, of film it. noir yeah it's a deconstruction too of high school um, films high school films and high schools and and youth uh-huh and love mm -hmm. and there's a lot going a lot on in Brick. Things. There's a lot going on in, in Brick, yeah. <laughs> makes me excited for Looper. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Maybe, maybe Looper will be a deconstruction of time travel. It's possible. There's been a few yeah. of those already. Primer yeah. is actually a Primer is a deconstruction of time travel, yeah. actually. Yeah. And time travel paradoxes. Mm -hmm. See? It's, uh, okay. All right. I like this. It's different. Different. Uh, All righty. Well, uh, you can find Kevin on uh, the Twitter webs at... Twitter.com slash Kevson, K-E-V-S-A-U-N-D. And you can find me online, of course, at Twitter.com slash S-T-O-R-R-E-N-C-E. Good episode. <laughs> it's, I like to think so. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're free to disagree with us, of course, audience. And uh, we welcome your comments, thoughts, and deconstructions on our <laughs> website at uh, badphilosophy.com or Facebook.com slash badphilosophy. Um, I guess we'll see you next time. We went to the park together We were walking in the midday sun Met all kinds of people And we, we fucked everyone 
the lady who sells ice cream. Fuck the man with a tan sharp head. I think Bob Loblaw is going to come back to Arrested Development. <laughs> I hope so. He was one of my favorite characters. <laughs> well, I just love the fact that he's played by Scott Bayo. And replacing Henry Winkler. <laughs> you should... <laughs> uh, of course that was intentional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> you should read Bob Loblaw's log log. Because <laughs> it's the first of me. Starts today. Bring your favorite lady, or at least your favorite thing. Water's not cold, baby, dip in your big toe. Maybe I'll see you in the Grande Delecto. Grass below you, sky above. Celebrate spring with a crazy little thing called fucking outside. Fucking outside. Fucking outside. Badphilosophy.com Yeah, it's interesting.